fish away. You are both going to be shot between the eyes. Jim Conway. Don Notch. Kenneth Mars. Remember us? The Apple Dumpling Gang rides again. Carries the Disney brand. Rated G. The funniest fugitives ever cornered in a theater. Welcome to another sequel week of Be Kind Rewind. This is your Disney Plus movie podcast. I am Dan Teets, and with me... Kyra Hawkins. And we are back to talk about The Cat from Outer Space 2, Electric Boogaloo. Why is it always that? <laughs> because it's funny. It... it 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 fits. It doesn't matter what movie it is. You can throw Electric Boogaloo. Um, I don't know. I mean, that might have made for a better movie than the one that we're going to talk about. Which is The Apple Dumpling Gang Rides Again. It was released June the 20th of 1979. Its box office, which comes directly from Wikipedia, is 20931000 $111. No clue why they gave it to us down to the penny, pretty much. But that works out to $86,734,372.36 in today's money. Because if you're going to give us down to the dollar, I'm going to tell you what it is down to the penny. Otherwise, there's no reason to even put it in there. And it was $86 million? Yes, $86 million in today's money. I guess that's okay. I'm like, what did people expect when they went to see this? Oh, yeah. So, um, as we said before I actually hit start, I think I saw this once and mentally blocked it out of my mind. <laughs> Because it was not what I was expecting, even though I had already read the Wikipedia on the original movie and mm -hmm. saw that the only people that came back were Harry Morgan, and he didn't play the same person, Don yes. Knotts and Tim Conway, who did play the same people. And I'm just going to leave it at that for now, because I've got so many things to say about... This movie. Buckle up. Yes, buckle up, because it is going to be a bumpy ride on Clarice. <laughs> so, um, I hadn't heard of this at all until we watched the original, and you told me, oh, there's a sequel, and I was like, yay. Um, and this seems to have fallen into the same sequel trap that a lot of um, Disney's sequels in the 70s fell into, which is that they took away the thing that made the first movie good, if not great. Mm -hmm. um, they took away the thing that gave it the most charm. And it's like kind of standalone. It, like it has nothing to do with the first movie. It's just like, here's what these characters did this other day. Mm-hmm. Um, so you don't have to have seen the original. And maybe if you hadn't seen the original and you didn't have any expectations for this one, it would have been better. But, uh, okay, I was trying to remember today, after I finished this movie, 
how much I liked the original. And I, I know that I had found things to enjoy about it, but I didn't love it. Um, I didn't really understand that this one, like how much worse this one was going to be. Yeah. And like I said, well, we will, we will start breaking this one down. So the synopsis as always, comes to us care of Wikipedia, and it goes a little something like this. Amos Tucker and Theodore Ogilvy, a pair of bumbling hold-up men now going straight, arrive in the boomtown of Junction City to start anew. But the duo end up causing havoc while getting cheated out of their money by two bank robbers named Wes Harden and Hank Starr. Things worsen when Amos and Theodore end up suspected of the robbery, and on the run from the town's feared lawman, Marshal Wooly Bill Hitchcock, who developed a personal vendetta towards Amos and Theodore after they accidentally humiliated and injured him on two separate occasions. To escape Hitchcock's vengeance, Amos and Theodore ditched their donkey, Clarice, as she was used by the robbers, and enlist in the United States Cavalry at Fort Concha. But the duo's bunglings and a run-in with a now-insane Marshal who found them by following Clarice, resulted in the fort being burned to the ground. The following day, the fort commander, Major Gaskell, is relieved of his position while Amos and Theodore are placed in a military jail. But the jail turns out to be a cover for a bear, robber baron named Big Mac, who proceeds to recruit Amos and Theodore for an upcoming train robbery. Still determined to go straight, the boys attempt to extricate themselves from the situation by warning the local sheriff. The sheriff was not available, and so they were told to visit the saloon where there was a visiting U.S. Marshal. After dressing up as barroom dance girls to hide themselves from Big Mac's gang, having another encounter with Hitchcock, and making a trade for blankets to hide themselves, Amos and Theodore accidentally end up on the train Big Mac is targeting. With the help of Jeff Reed, an Army intelligence officer who posed as an enlisted soldier to uncover the conspiracy of military robberies, and Major Gaskell's daughter Millie, <coughs> they arrest the robbers and their inside man, Lieutenant Jim Ravencroft. Soon after being given pardons, Amos and Theodore design, decide to resume working on Russell Donovan's farm. The end. And so there is your synopsis. Take from it what you want. It was not fully explanatory as to what you were getting into, but... I think we actually discussed this when we walked when we went through the original Apple Dumpling Gang that there was nobody, not even the cute little kids, that came back except for the two main characters of the Apple Dumpling Gang, mm-hmm. and Harry Morgan, who in the original played Homer McCoy, and in this one, for some reason, played Major T. P. Gaskell. Yeah. So. Um, I thought that, like, if memory serves me, the love story between, like, Dusty and, um, the guy who didn't want to be the kid's dad. The Incredible Hulk. Donovan? Donovan. Um, that is part of what made the original, like, a little more watchable. Like, the whole, like, we hate each other, but then we're going to love each other dynamic um so i was was real sad that they weren't like that they weren't in this i wish that they would have like stayed on the ranch Mm -hmm. with them 
Ranch, farm, whatever. Yeah. And in their place, we were thrown into a love triangle involving um, Jim Ravencroft, uh, Colonel, or, yeah, General, what did it say his name? Gaskell's, or I'm sorry, Major Gaskell's daughter. Millie. Mm-hmm. And a third person that you really don't know what his name is until eight-ninths of the way through the movie. Yeah, he's like Jeff something. Yeah. I think his name changes, like, because, spoiler alert, he's working undercover, so he has two names. Yeah. And the only thing that actually kept it was the fact that he was Jeff. So, yeah, Harry Morgan comes back, doesn't play the same thing. We got a love triangle between these three people, because... The daughter was set up to marry the guy that was whatever. He's like the inside man. Yeah, the inside man that will... I'll try to figure that out later on. Because there was so many different twists and turns that it wasn't as cut in stone as the original Apple Apple Dumpling Gang. Because the movie starts with Harry and... uh, Harry, um... (laughs) <laughs> with Tim and Don riding on Clary's. Mm-hmm. It's funny, like, wait a minute, no. I'm stupid. In my notes, I have them as T and A. <laughs> um, okay, so- that's a totally different movie. What movie did you actually watch here, Kyra? And was it better than the Apple Dumpling Gang Rides Again? <laughs> Uh, that's how they were in my notes in the original too. So I just was like, oh, I have to keep it. It's easy, it's faster to write down because I write my notes by hand. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's shorthand. Oh, well, actually, that's Theodore and Amos. So that's yeah. actually right. I just it it just hit me. I'm like, wait a minute. That's actually their first initials. Never yeah. mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Sorry, I don't know why I interrupted you with that. It just I just. <laughs> well, I no. mean the. No, yeah more to laugh at <laughs> yes and and it shows you we're, we're already off the rails and we're like two minutes into the movie and it's Listen, i don't want to get back on the rails <laughs> so yeah tna come riding into town and they are on clarice and they have decided that they are going to go straight yeah they're gonna which I kind of thought that they had decided that when they were out working on the Donovan's ranch or the farm or whatever. Yeah, if if I remember right, they like had decided that they were going to give up their life of crime because they weren't very good at it to begin with. And so they come into town and, and I wrote down the exact quote. They said, well, we're going to give up terrorizing the West. And I'm like, Unless that's because you were goofballs and you wrecked everything that you got involved in. I don't know how you could give up terrorizing the West. Yeah. No, they're, they are too, like, fumbly-bumbly. Yeah. Which is what they were good for. They were good for comic relief in this entire movie. So, they come into town. They, they have $300 to their name. And they go and buy new clothes. And they decide to get their picture taken because if they're going to go straight, people need to know what they looked like before they went straight or something like that. And Clarice comes busting through the photographer studio. Yeah. So, like, 
their new clothes are so ridiculous. And I actually loved um, the scene where they're getting their picture taken because I've never really thought about it. I guess they like stick them in some kind of frame to, so that they're still, I guess, cause cameras worked differently then than they mm-hmm. do now. Um, I like, that was funny to me. I'd never thought of that. I guess it was necessary for them to do. I didn't know that was a thing. Well, and that was something that was actually brought up in a whole lot worse movie than this one. A Million Ways to Die in the West, which is Seth MacFarlane. For some reason, Christopher Lloyd was in it because they had the Back to the Future car in that movie. <laughs> I've never I've never seen this. I'm, don't, I... don't waste your two hours. <laughs> there are so much there is so many more better movies even on Disney Plus that you can spend your time with but the the reason why I brought up this that movie was because there was a joke that was made that you had to hold your pose for 15 minutes and it made people go insane because they had to hold their smile for 15 minutes that's funny well, like they look so unnatural in yeah. this like setup. I, I'm, I really just tried to like mimic it by sitting back. <laughs> Sorry, no one else can see me. Yeah. Um, just look it up, guys. But what I will say is, before we move on, is um, <laughs> this is gonna change the way I look at old timey photographs forever. Because yes. I didn't know that that was a thing. Like it makes sense now that I know, but. I didn't, and now I do, and I'm just always going to look at old-timey photos differently because of this knowledge. Yeah, and as we speak, I'm actually trying to find the the part of the movie that I'm talking about, so that way you can actually... Oh my gosh, that's actually ten minutes of this movie? Wow. That's how long it took for them to take a picture. Well, yeah, but it's actually the, the, the way that they have it... Um captioned is people die at the fair because hmm. it's well no all right there's a photography whatever i'll, I'll send this to you offline because this is derailing the already derailed movie even further and i think it's about to go off the cliff pretty soon <laughs> so after clarice comes in knocks down the um photography studio they have to pay out and now they're down to 230 dollars and they go in and walk into a bank robbery in progress. And they willingly hand over their $230 to the person that is robbing the bank, unbeknownst to them. And he writes them out a deposit slip mm-hmm. and says, tells them that they can come back and get their money at any time in the future. Chuckle, chuckle, ha ha. Yep. And then they walk out and see Sheriff Hitchcock breaking up a fight by twirling his long gun and then clocking the two guys on top of their heads with the butt ends of the gun. Yeah. Um, This is like the first time we've seen him, and I hate him instantly. (laughs) Yes. And he only gets worse from there. Yeah. Because... Then Tim Conway realizes that, oh, 
they didn't put a date on the deposits. And bless her, Ruth Buzzy totally made this movie watchable. Uh-huh. She's the old lady that hates the sheriff and screams at the top of her lungs the entire part of the movie that she's in. So I didn't know who she was. Um, and I think when I first saw her, I was like, is that Granny from uh, Beverly Hillbillies? Because that was like my first thought was Beverly Hillbillies. That's because that's what she looks like to me. I yeah, guess. I, I, I could I could see where where that's where that's made as an idea. Yeah, she was funny. So they walk back in. Unbeknownst to them, the um, bad guys have already taken off with their money. And Tim Conway's trying to get a rubber stamp to work, which made me laugh because he keeps hitting it and then hitting it. And obviously the stamp wasn't working. And Don Knotts walks around and realizes that there was a robbery and now they have no money to their name. Yeah. And Ruth Buddy's... Ruth Buzzy's outside calling out that there's been a robbery, there's been a robbery, and Hitchcock comes in, sees the Apple Dumpling Gang behind the um, teller window, and starts trying to arrest them because, of course, they're the bad guys. Yeah, it looks like they were the bank robbers. And so they drop their guns, and somehow hilarity ensues, and Hitchcock gets shot in the hands, and he drops his weapons. And this makes Buzzy oh so happy, because she hates this guy. And so the next thing that you see is him coming down with both hands wrapped up. But no, he will take care of them, because of the photograph that somehow was produced yeah, with Clarice, and so they're, they find out that it's the Apple Dumpling Gang, and Theodore and Amos realize that the jig is up and they need to get out of their clothes, and Tim Conway bemoans the fact that these clothes were good for another three years. <laughs> and Ruth Buzzy comes down and starts talking about how the Apple Dumpling Gang had done this, and they had gotten a jump on the sheriff, not realizing that they're the Apple Dumpling Gang because she's as blind as a bat. But yeah. that makes it even funnier. But he's like the sheriff or marshal or whatever he is. Um, it's like his mission for life has been set in this moment. Yes. He's going to get them. And so they climb into the back of a covered or a wagon, not realizing that the sheriff is getting ready to stand on top of them. And he makes this long-winded spiel that everybody else is eating up and Ruth Buzzy is not having it. And so somehow he gets knocked off of the wagon and ends up in a neck break. And uh, Tim Conway and Don Knotts get away and they somehow get... No, actually, this is where we meet um, Harry Morgan's daughter, wasn't it? Because wasn't... Wasn't she riding in on the... Yeah, she, like, comes in and falls in the mud or something. Um, Jeff Reed or whatever his, like, fake name is mm-hmm. like, catches her. I don't remember exactly. But, like, when I first saw him, 
I was like, oh, he almost, like, if you don't look very closely, um, resembles, like, Paul Rudd in a, like, <laughs> I think it was, like, just in the first moment, because I wasn't, like, I was struggling to pay attention, I like I told you this already, but um, for a second I was like, that's like Paul Rudd dupe. <laughs> Well, we all know Paul Rudd is like ninety, so it might have been Paul Rudd in a in a previous iteration. I like. I mean, I felt silly like when I looked a little closer because I was like, no. But they have like. I mean, they both have dark brown hair, and for a split second, I was like, I know it's not him, but it could be. Yeah. Um. Yeah, he like takes her to the fort. Mm-hmm. I know the name of the fort, the military installment. Um, honestly, I had a hard time following this part of the movie, but like Fort Concho, T and A are like, we got to get out of town. Um, oh God. the marshal, um, what's his name? Hitchcock. Yes. Wooly Bill Hitchcock. So weird. Um, he's like after them, he like follow, like Clarice is following the wagon that they're hiding in and he's following Clarice like a madman like just let it go yes and unbeknownst to Theodore and Amos the um wagon that they had gotten into was carrying a couple of cases of champagne and so they get a little high on the bubbly because they're trying to keep it from flowing everywhere and the daughter pretty much makes a snide comment that he has taken the most bumpiest road around to get them to the fort. And he's like, well, when you're in my line of work, you got to know all the back roads and everything like that. So didn't even realize that until the end of the movie, that that's why he knew how to get around places without getting around. It's a little foreshadowing. Um, I wish I would have known sooner what that was getting at, because I probably would have, like, been a little less lost later in the movie yeah. um but so yeah they they arrive in the fort place and um <laughs> fort concho concho okay so they get there and um we meet millie's fiance who is like is he a captain uh lieutenant lieutenant, lieutenant. ravencroft okay so she like knows that Jeff is um she thinks he's private and so mm-hmm. she just like ugh, whatever because uh, you're not you're not an enlist you're not an officer you're not worth my time. Right. Yeah. She's just like kind of snotty to him. Um we meet I I kind of got like I don't like this guy vibes from the lieutenant. Mhm pretty soon so i wish that like i would have caught on sooner that he was like kind of an informant for the bad guys hey spoiler alert come on yeah sorry well i think we already said it but um (laughs) like i wish i would have caught on to that sooner um just because i had a weird feeling about him pretty early on well and see the thing is the very beginning before we I think it's right after we see um, Tim and Don riding into town. Fort Concho has a flaming wagon come in. 
that has somehow been hit by some type of indigenous persons because mm-hmm. we can't call them what they actually are in the movie because that's not right. But so this is like the the latest in a series of um, raids or whatever that has knocked that's like stolen all these carbine weapons and then we just automatically go over to Tim and Don riding into town and so it's one of those things where you get it but you don't start putting two and two together until way 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 too late in the movie Mm -hmm. so um, Tim and Don end up joining the army because they're soused off their butts and they wake up and the next morning they get thrown out into inspection and Don Knotts of course playing bumbling Barney Fife for lack of a better term yeah has no way to know how to put his gun together and they're like sleeping standing up yeah I like I know this was supposed to be funny but I just was annoyed by it so, because of their bumbling inability to handle an inspection, which ends with the guy that is over Ravencroft looking down the barrel of a gun during inspection, which I have never in all of the Disney movies before or since, even um, Cadet Kelly, which is a Disney movie starring Hannah Montana. <laughs> Or, no, Lizzie McGuire, I'm sorry. Wrong one. Disney interchangeable blonde Disney girls. <laughs> <laughs> and and, I, and I'm sure I'm going to get hate mail from all of the Hannah Montana fans out there that are listening to the podcast. Because I'm going to hashtag this Hannah Montana. We're a Hannah Montana house, I'll just say. But um, I was just like, I had no idea what you're talking about. So I was like, oh, okay. I'll just go along with it, because I don't know. But yeah, I had never seen a drill instructor, um, staff sergeant, anybody look down the barrel of a gun during an inspection. And then he ends up giving the two of them a month of wood detail, a month of stable detail, and a month of kitchen patrol. Yeah. And the kitchen is like what really matters here, because it sets us up for what's next. Yeah, so my question was, were all three of those running concurrently, or did one start when the other one ended, or were they just working their butts off from around the clock and still not getting any sleep? Which Don Knotts actually complains about, well, I didn't really sleep well last night, and that's what gets them the month of KP. So they're told to, while they are... Supposed to be cutting potatoes, because that's what you do in Kitchen Patrol. And they were bad at it. I'll well, just point out. Don Knotts wasn't because he did a cute little frowny face in his potato. <laughs> <laughs> but they get rescued from potato duty to bring a huge bowl of punch out, because there's a ball to welcome the Major's daughter. And Ravencroft is planning on proposing to said major's daughter mm-hmm. that night. I would like to complain about how our tax dollars were being spent. <laughs> that you, would not fly today. 
You are complaining about a movie set in the 1800s about tax dollars being spent on... Oh, I mean, like, the military throwing a big party for an official's daughter coming to visit is kind of... Well, in her defense, she was the only woman who is not Ruth Buzzy in this movie. Ooh, no, there's one later um, when she gets kidnapped. Spoiler alert. Oh, okay. My fault. And actually, the two of them did talk, so this would pass the Bechtel test. No, well, they do talk, but they pretty much only talk about Jeff. Okay. They they talk to each other, but only about a guy. So. So it still doesn't. Yeah. Well, I was getting a little bit excited because I totally forgot about the lady that we will talk about in about three hours when we get to that part of the movie. <laughs> no, I, so there's, well, I'll hold my tongue because I have some other thoughts. We'll get to. So, yeah, they bring out this big bowl of punch and they walk out and almost abruptly put the bowl of punch down on two cakes but somehow they see that that's not a good idea. And for some reason, Tim Conway lets go of the punch bowl and Don Knotts ends up against the wall. Yeah, it's like a comically large punch bowl. Yeah. Uh, size of like a timpani drum. And he's like stumbling all over the place. Um, surprise, surprise. The marshal who's been following them busts into the party. And it's like, dude, you have no jurisdiction here. But he is insane. Yes. And so, long story short, the the fort blows up because we actually have a Looney Tunes-style cask of gunpowder being drug along, and a little bit of gunpowder goes along because Mm. they're told to move the gunpowder from one spot to another. Yeah, they... They go to put out the fire, like they're part of the bucket brigade or whatever, but like they get into kerosene which like i am not particularly smart about these things but i thought the kerosene had a smell um does it not it has a very distinctive smell that so they should have known yes but once again we're playing this for comedic effect and maybe 1800s kerosene didn't have that smell yeah. which is why they just started throwing Good kerosene after bad fire. Yeah, it was well, and it, like okay, calling it Looney Tunes is like the perfect description because that's pretty much all that like they are just cartoon characters at this point. Yeah. Um, the I like I know it was supposed to be funny and maybe somebody thought it was. If that was you, let us know. Um, <laughs> I was just like groaning at this point, like. But yeah, the the outcome is that the fort blows up. Real good. Burns to the ground. And again, they're like, we got to get out of town. And so um, Harry Morgan tells Lieutenant Ravencroft, and I'm sorry that I'm mixing real people's names in with movie characters, but... We're used to it. (laughs) But yeah, so he tells Ravencroft to get his daughter out of the fort before it blows up and somehow Reed jumps on, throws Ravencroft off and they run off and now she's done been kidnapped real good. Mm -hmm. Real good. Against her will. And so yeah, they, they go off and we cut back 
and Tim and Don are tied up on a on two wheels of a wagon, which looks to be about the only thing that didn't burn up, with the exception of the one tower that's getting pulled down in the back. And Harry Morgan says that this is his last day he's been told to resign, which obviously makes sense because you lost a perfectly good wooden fort in the middle of Indian country, allegedly. They, like, yeah, so they're on those wheels. He sentences them like they're going to go to military jail or whatever. Um, 30 years of hard labor, which I was like, at their age, that ain't happening. Um, And then we get the return of the marshal, who I hate. At this point, he's just, like, dragging himself along, like, groaning and, like, making weird noises. Because all he wants to do is kill these guys. Yeah. Because they have ruined his life and he can't move. And so he starts spinning them around like a wheel of death and starts shooting at them. And he has terrible aim Mm -hmm. because his hands don't work and his neck doesn't work. And I mean, his brain obviously doesn't work, but whatever. And so they somehow subdue him, put him in a straitjacket. And they're like, well, we've got 30 years of, um, well, no, actually, to start with, they were told that they were going to have to rebuild the entire fort. And then somehow that got changed to 30 years of hard labor Mm -hmm. at the prison. And they're like, well, we can start that once we built the fort. Not realizing that it probably would take longer than 30 years to build a fort if it's just the two of them working, but... Whatever, so they get sent off to prison, and of course they get stripped of their military um, commissions, whatever, pop the buttons off, pull their shiny yellow neckerchief, take off their hats, throw them in the back of a paddy wagon, and they get sent off to prison where they're determined to make a show that they are the big men on campus because they are the Apple Dumpling Gang. And besides, they have terrorized the entire Old West, so what's a prison to worry about? Yeah. They seem like, okay, well, whatever. And so now we cut back to Reed and Morgan's daughter and the third woman, who I am assuming is a blind woman. Yeah, she's, like, blind. Her name is Martha. Um, Is he just, like... Okay, so I think this already, but spoiler spoiler alert, he is working undercover. Um, so, like, is she just, like, his safe house? I was confused about their, like, she's too old, like, it's not, like, a relationship like that. But, like, I was confused about the relationship between Jeff and Martha. I, that's actually, that might be a pretty good answer for it, that they are, that that's his safe house. Yeah, like, she's just, like, letting him stay there in exchange for him, like, working around the place doing what she can't do. Yeah. It's like, wow, Disney, um, a sweaty, like, oiled-up, shirtless guy and this, like, beautiful young lady that he's, like, he's taken against her will to this place. Like, why? Yeah, and so he's been trying to figure out... Well, alright, I'm trying to put the pieces together without knocking down the fort myself. 
<laughs> because he's trying to figure out who's actually carrying out the um, thefts. Meanwhile, we see that the Lieutenant Ravencroft... Well, no, was, was Ravencroft ever revealed until the very end when him and the old Mac or Big Mac or whatever the... Big Mac. The, the McDonald's reference was that was... Yeah, I don't think it's until like the very end. We're just kind of in the dark about that. Um, it, it almost makes um, Millie look bad because she like you kind of see that her like her feelings towards Jeff for softening and she's like kind of got a crush or whatever. Um, and it, it's like a little uncomfortable, like, Oh, is she like, she's supposed to be engaged to this other guy, but it's all okay because later we found out he's a bad guy. It just, yeah. it makes for like kind of a weird dynamic. Yeah. So we find out that Jeff really isn't who he claims he is, but he doesn't actually, but you don't actually find out who he is mm-hmm. until much, 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 much later in the movie. Yeah, like the very end. Yeah, because I, th- I think this was probably where you said that you're about halfway through the movie. Yeah, like right after the fort explodes, um, I was like, are you kidding me? There's still an hour left. Or, well, yeah, about an hour, a little less than an hour maybe, but... Um, yeah, and about this time, I was trying to figure out if I wanted to break this into a two-parter myself. I was like, I think I'm just going to press through because it can't get much worse. But, oh, wait, it can't. Oh, yeah. So, actually, I found it a little... Like, I, I explained this to you before we started recording. Like, I found the second half of the movie a little easier to pay attention to because I had it on my phone while I was doing other things. Um <laughs> So it's like I could take it while I was, you know, I wasn't confined to like the living room to watch it on TV and have so many distractions because I was struggling to get into it. Um, So having it on while I was doing something else made it a little easier. I still was lost here and there, but um, well, don't feel bad because I was sitting watching it and I was lost. Yeah, I got a little more out of it. um, Well, if you. Breaking it into two parts, I got more out of the second half than the first half. But um, so much of it is still blurry just because I just could not make myself care. Um, So TNA are in military prison in their, like, cute little stripy outfits. Yeah, and they they get – they decide they're going to make an example and tell – the head honcho that they are ready to take over his prison. Yeah, they're like, and so Tim Conway tries to pick up this guy that can't weigh more than about eighty pounds and struggles to do it, but he hefts Don Knotts, who probably outweighs the guy by about twenty pounds, no problems. And so, sort of like, you tell the big man that, that we're here to talk to him and that we're ready to take over their prison, and they go. And, of course, we cut back to the main love interest trying to find out what's going on. And he had hired a trapper, I think, to plant arrows, or I got lost in that part. And so he's starting to put together what was going on. Mm-hmm. And then we cut back to the prison where they are told to go 
delivers something somewhere, doesn't exactly happen, and yeah. they end up going through a Scooby-Doo trap door. Yeah, there's like a tunnel between, like out of the prison that's like into a, like, a, I don't know, a fancy room place i whatever like big mac is supposed to be in jail but he's like go like he and his men are like going in and out and they're behind the robberies um i was a little bit lost through most of this yeah uh, they are like gonna yeah we're tough it is instantly clear to big mac that they're not tough and but he's like gonna use them to his advantage because that's what the bad guys always do yeah. um I don't really know what happened next. He recruited them into his robbery scheme. Yeah. And then they are trying to get away from, cause they, you know, they want to go straight, but like now they got big Mac after them. And like the marshal who by this point in the movie is like grunting, like a zombie or like Frankenstein's monster. is like, <laughs> Every time you see him, he's like making these weird noises. Um, I was so sick of him at this point. But then suddenly, they're like in drag doing burlesque. Yeah. So I I think I can fill in the the gaps. I once again think being the key possible yeah. air quote term because they're. So they get recruited into Big Mac's gang because they're nothing more than filet of fish just to keep the McDonald's references going because it's late and something needs to be funnier than this. Yeah. And so they're told, well, we're going to meet in town at this time. You two are supposed to be here. And so they go into town. They see Marshall Hitchcock, which somehow has been released from his straight jacket in the fort yeah it never really says how or why yeah how he got out why he got out he was who like he, shooting who he killed to get out would probably be the better way yeah and so he's a he's a blubbering idiot that doing nothing more than staring at the bottom of a bottle all day that's yeah. the way that i understand so don and tim are in town and they see the sheriff who's now the marshal and they get scared because they see him and they're like well we aren't going to go with him for whatever he's going to do and then they turn around and they see the people that actually robbed the bank mm -hmm. at way on back back 63 years ago when this movie started it feels like 63 years ago for sure and so That's they somehow find a can-can outfit or two and stumble out on a stage in this hall. Full drag and makeup. Yeah, and I'm like, how do they get into that outfit that quickly? With wigs? Like, were there wigs backstage? I guess women wore wigs, too. So, they... <laughs> They're out there doing the can-can, and the two guys that robbed the bank start hitting on them, for lack of a better term. And meanwhile, Big Mac and two of his posse guys have walked in to the bar trying to figure out where Don and Tim are. Mm -hmm. 
And they start looking at the can-can girls, once again in quotes, and start trying to figure out what's familiar with them. Yeah. And just blow that off. And somehow somebody's wig comes off and the marshal sees him, goes into his zombie brains rampage. Yeah. And he goes after them, and they crash through a plate glass window. Yeah, I, at this point I was like, oh, thank God there's only 15 minutes left. But also, like, there's still 15 minutes left. Yeah, and so somehow they get from there onto a train, which is just so happens to be the train that Big Mac is trying to rob. Yes, um, they're like wrapped in blankets. Yes, uh, and, and they they are portraying themselves as indigenous people because they had very offensive um, Native American names. Yes, um, and I didn't even write them down just because I was like, I'm not even going to. Yeah, I oh man, like the next five minutes were so racist and disgusting, and I was like, why wasn't there? A, a trigger warning at the beginning of yeah. this because it, it, I shouldn't have been surprised, but I was like, still, it it caught me off guard and I was alarmed because um, it just it kind of came out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, like it was upsetting. Yeah, and so they're there wrapped up in some type of indigenous people's blankets don't know how they got them where they got them from because that was never explained yeah they just have blankets and so the train starts taking off and then they see two of the people that were on the train that were actually trying to rob the train mm-hmm. and lo and behold here comes jeff reed yeah and he, jeff is here to save the day. Millie's on the train. So he's like, he tells her everything, which I appreciated finally. But how did Millie get on the train? Was that ever explained? Did she just end up? I'm not sure. <laughs> she had to be there because he needed to kiss her at the end of the movie or something. I'm yeah. not. Well, he tells her like, here's the reason he tells her he's an intelligence officer and that he's been working on this. And I don't think they know yet that, her fiance is a bad guy. I don't remember when it comes out, but he kisses her. Um, and then it's like, when we get married and she's like, when he just more of him, just like kind of forcing things. Although she seems to not mind because when she finds out in this moment that he is a captain and not private, suddenly she's more interested because he has a higher station. Than the lieutenant that she was planning on marrying, but whatever. And so we cut back, train robberies in in full full effect, and somehow Native Americans just start showing up, wanting to stop the train. They're, Once again, never got explained where they came from. Um, they. It it does explain it. I've got to find it because okay, I'm like kind then, of. Then I actually I must have fugued out at that moment. Yeah, I, I um, I think 
that they say, first of all, it was like upsetting because they're talking in like caveman English, mm. um, which racist stereotype. If you look closely, you can see that many of these men, if not all of them, are white. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing is, like, when they traded Clarice for blankets. Oh, that's right. They traded Clarice for the blankets, and Clarice ran off. Yes. And As Clarice is known to do, that we found out many times during this movie. Yes. And the native, like, the main one that's, like explaining why he's after them uses a slur um i don't know if it was considered a slur in the 70s or if it was widely known that it was but like to talk about his wife basically calls her um a slur and um like they're just mad about a donkey I don't know that Native Americans would like be willing to wage this kind of battle over something that turns out to be kind of a small slight, mm-hmm. um, which again, it's just racist. Like they're fierce. They're savage. I, I hate every bit of it. So we get a neat tidy bow because they find out that the apple dumpling gang was good after all, despite yeah. the fact that they're standing there in drag without a blanket to cover them up. Yeah. Like Jeff clears their good names and then they're going to go back to the farm. We finally get a mention in like the last second mm-hmm. of the movie. Like, I wonder if Dusty and Donovan something, something like can't That's wait to tell them about is. this. Yeah. Da, 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 da. Right. Thank God it's over. Yes. <laughs> so. <laughs> yes. We told you at the top to buckle up, folks. Yes, but and, 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 th- and this was a very bumpy ride on a covered wagon, which turned into a train ride, which ran off the rails. And it had everything that made 70s movies funny, but did not make it funny today. Yeah, no. Um, I, I, I didn't like this. I think it's, I think this been made clear. Um, it was well, really hard to watch. My thing is, and I actually wrote this down right after um, Tim Conway went through the piece of the stained glass window. Straight through it. The problem with this movie is that there are too many pieces that they are trying to fit together into a nice, pretty puzzle. Yeah. And it's like four different puzzles that will never go together. And so, at the end, they're just like, all right, well, we're just going to go back to the farm and live there for the rest of our lives, which they never should have left the farm to start with. Mm-hmm. But then we wouldn't have this movie to talk about. So. That's not a good thing. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. This was... I actually did have one other thing that I just realized. How did Hitchcock survive getting blown up real good? Because wasn't he in the middle of the um, TNT or the he, the black powder or whatever it was? He was, um, if he wasn't in the middle of it, he was dangerously close. I mean, we see him covered in like soot or something um, or gunpowder. I don't know. He's like blackened basically. Yes. But um, I think the explanation is actually something you said. Which is Looney Tunes. <laughs> so he was a Yosemite Sam to their 
Bugs Bunny, Daffy Duck. You know, that's a pretty good analogy. I think that's, I think that is what it has to be. I mean, this was, he was no, like, a... I'm, I'm, I'm actually sad that I wasted an hour and 45 minutes that I could have been sleeping yeah. watching this movie. But tough. now you are valued listeners. Well, unfortunately you were told to watch this movie last week. So you already know how bad it is. Unless this is your favorite of the two. In which case we want to know why. Because please understand. Yes, please help us to understand. Help us to help us to make sense of the madness that was the Apple Dumpling Gang rising. So, um I mean we've turned an hour and 45 minute movie into an hour and 10 minute episode as usual. Oh, I think it's cuz I do a lot of like um <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean still uh, let me, let, let's go ahead and get to the three questions, because I think we already know where we're going with that. What is today's impact on this movie? First of all, there would have been a trigger warning. Yes. Well, Secondly, there would not have, well, no, because we would not have had indigenous peoples not being played by non-Italians. Yeah. Or they even anyone who is not an indigenous person. Yeah, if they did this today, it would be um, uh, natives playing the natives. They wouldn't have been portrayed as negatively and racist mm. they were if they were in it at all, because they it really wasn't necessary. Um, like, give us positive portrayals of Native Americans, but like weave them into the plot in a way that makes sense, and not like, oh, here's this racist thing at the end. Because yeah. um, that's pretty much what we got. Which I mean, like, it's called a Western comedy, and a lot, like, a lot, if not most Westerns, have a lot of racist stereotypes in them. So and that's why we don't make Westerns. Not since Quentin Tarantino. Do they really? Well, no, they still do. They're just different now, right? I don't know. Uh, I, I honestly, I don't. I, I'm trying to think. Hateful Eight. Oh, well, The Ridiculous Six. Excuse me, Adam Sandler's. Uh, see, I haven't seen that. Because Westerns put me to sleep. Um, <laughs> As yeah. we have discussed numerous times on this on this podcast. Well, and I think I said this um, in a movie that we covered a couple of weeks ago. Um, at one point, I realized I was falling asleep. That happened again in this. I was like, hmm, this is tough. I did take a little nap in the middle <laughs> Um, so anyways, today's impact is what all of that, just go back 15 seconds and listen to that again. And, um, probably Millie would have been more developed character and maybe there would have been more women that had some role in the plot besides talking about the boys. Next question. (laughs) Is this mirrored in culture? No. How does this fit into today's society? See question one. It doesn't. It doesn't. You don't have people just jumping out onto a can-can stage dancing in drag unless it is openly expressed that that is what type of establishment it is. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, I actually had that thought like when I was watching this and I thought... We probably won't go in that direction because there's like a whole other conversation to be had about drag. 
um, I don't think this is the place. Um, <laughs> but like, I don't think it would be like, let's put these guys in dresses because it's funny for guys to be in dresses. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's generally not how we portray things now. Yeah. Um, and I think that's great. But if if that was in this, if they remade it, it yeah, it would be different in that way for sure. Yeah. <sighs> Anything else we want to add before we go ahead and throw this over the ravine and have it land on Clarice? I'm Clarice was probably the most likable character in the whole movie. Honestly, I liked that she followed them around. Yeah, it was sweet, like because she's their buddy. And I like the best part was her barging in on their photo shoot, and then she ended up in the picture. Yeah, I liked Clarice. So let's be good to her. Let's be good to Clarice and to Ruth Buzzy. May she Maybe rest in peace. We will blow this movie to smithereens like the fort, and then we will ride Clarice off into the sunset. I like that. Let's go. <laughs> All right. Um, if y'all have stuck around to the end, thank you for listening. We have a lot of new listeners that are not from the United States. So welcome what took you so long? Hopefully you are, go- you are going back and listening to the episodes that we are referencing in the last couple of weeks. Because you'll find that we love dragging horrible pieces of um, Fort Concho <laughs> through the mud. What it is is that we find the movies we hate and then we don't stop talking about them. And if you have any questions, you can go back and listen to episode 100. Because it is very clearly marked there. And several other places afterwards. But, if you are that one lone soul that saw the Apple Dumpling Gang rides again and said, This is my favorite movie. Please write us. BeKindRewindDMP at gmail.com Let us know what it is that we're missing. Let us know what made this your favorite movie of all time. And we will read your comment on a future episode. We will also let you know probably three or four movies that you might want to look into that are better westerns than this one. Which, if you have any questions about that, just go back and listen to last week's episode where you'll find out about one. Because we were both excited about someone that showed up in it. (laughs) But that's all I'm going to say about it. As you know... If this is not your first episode listening, we do give homework. Sometimes the movies are good. Sometimes they're rotten pieces of Fort Concho. (laughs) Which may be my new phrase for the show. Next week's movie, I have no clue what it is. It is the next last movie of the 70s that is on Disney+. It is Unidentified Flying Oddball. It is a... Time travel movie involving someone in a spaceship being thrown back into medieval time. So I'm thinking Night in King Arthur's Court, but with a spaceship. And Kyra is looking it up already to see if I'm wrong. Well, and like, what I thought of was um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3. Turtles in Time. Yeah, like they do some time travel and go fight like with some knights or something. I don't remember. Medieval Shredder. 
There's something there's, I'm I'm not imagining it. I know. No, you're not. I I know you're not. I actually watched that when it was. I actually think I watched it on VHS, which kind of doesn't really date me. But nowadays, you know, that has been at least a couple of years before since that movie's been out, yeah. and they've made a couple of reboots since then. Yeah. Now I have to go look up that movie. <laughs> so she has her night full. Um, not your homework, but it is mine. Yes. Your homework, once again, is Unidentified Flying Oddball. We will be back, actually, in two weeks to cover that one, because next week is our throwback episode. It is actually a Disney movie that is, I believe, the first Disney original that was covered on this show. It is Safety. It is actually me and my wife talking about a movie that was made about a Clemson safety football people who had a younger brother that he was trying to raise on campus and the fun that happened there so that's next week in two weeks we'll be talking about unidentified flying oddball and then we will actually be finishing out the 70s hopefully with a special guest in maybe two to talk about the black hole which is one of his one of the special guests favorite movies so i've already talked to him and we're trying to work out some some scheduling because he goes to bed early like most of (laughs) anyway until we speak to you again stay safe stay hungry and try not to hold that smile for 15 minutes because it might drive you (laughs) talk to you next week thank you for listening you can send us feedback at BeKindRewindDMP at gmail.com. We welcome any kind of feedback, and it might get read on the air in a future podcast. Once again, the email address is BeKindRewindDMP at gmail.com. If you have a moment, please rate and review our podcast on whatever streaming service you are listening to us on. This and word of mouth are the two ways to help us reach a larger audience. Thank you in advance for doing this. Thank you again for listening, and we hope you have a great day. Goodbye.